<laughs> False start. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. It's Holly. And Daniel. You're listening to Halfway Saints, episode 16. 16. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Sweet 16. Oh! We should have a huge party. We should. Just the two of us. <laughs> we are having a huge party. Yeah. Yeah. I came down on um, a pink elephant. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> on those MTV things, they always had like, they would like enter the um, party with like some extravagant. Or, like a made up animal, like a pink elephant? Or a fake animal. Like, I was joking, like I flew in on an elephant, which doesn't make any sense. No, because but... I don't have wings. Dumbo flew with his ears, but he's <laughs> pretty sure he was a special case. Okay, I said something dumb. <laughs> we're still talking about it. But we're we're a little tired, but we're gonna get a good a podcast out of this. We promise. Uh, we are sorry that we're a little bit late, mm-hmm. but we were traveling um, since Thursday, and we just got home Wednesday. We left Wednesday. Wednesday, um, and we just got home tonight at like five thirty. Mm-hmm. No, six. Doesn't the specifics? <laughs> they don't really. I'm sure they're not really uh, keeping track at home. But we got back a little late, and it was a lot. It was much longer of a car ride than we thought because we ran into storms, and mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so we're a little tired, a little weary, but we're here, and we're ready to podcast. In case you didn't get that, we've been on vacation. Oh crap! That's why this is a little late. <laughs> we were visiting um, our family and doing a little early birthday for Jack. He turns, um, he turns what? one, <laughs> in a. F- I was gonna say in so many weeks, but I couldn't think of it in my head. In a few weeks, oh, he'll yeah. be turning one. So we went. Um, to our hometown where we both grew up to visit family and have a little pre-birthday for him. Mm-hmm. So. It was really great. It was great. But I, it like made his first birthday come too early. Yeah. Cause he's not one yet. He's no. got, he's got time. Just a, just a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But. He, he also doesn't sleep as well in the car as he did. Oh my Six gosh. months ago. Not the last time all. we drove with him. So it was a fun ride home. <laughs> Pretty much one of us has to drive, and the other one has to entertain him for six hours. The entire time. Well, at a time. Right. The trip takes, like... Eleven today. It eleven, took eleven yeah. hours. Phew. Yeah. But we made it. We here. This is only <laughs> a day... We here. <laughs> oh, we here are dedicated to making podcasts. Yeah, let me finish. Oh, that's what you're saying? No. Yeah. No, but uh, um, thinking about his first birthday coming up made us remember, like, oh, this time last year... You were so pregnant, because I was, like, so big. With, I was pregnant with Jack, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought that he was going to come so early, and so my parents were, like, at the ready to fly up and um, come be with us, and we, they were so excited, and we were just reminiscing about that fun time. Yeah, we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and thinking about Jack's first birthday and all that, we started um, thinking about kind of our whole experience leading up to having Jack and um, our experience in trying to conceive and kind of the whole long journey from, you know, starting the process of wanting to start a family and finally getting to meet him mm-hmm. um, a year ago. Yeah. And so in our Fruit of Marriage podcast, um, a lot of people have responded well to that mm-hmm. podcast, which is great. Um, but they, we've gotten a couple of comments that we never addressed the um the topic of infertility mm-hmm. um, that NFP can also cover. And so we kind of wanted to share the journey that we had um, 
and fortunately we do have Jack now, but it was, it was a journey. And Mm -hmm. so we wanted to share our story. Right. And I think, um, infertility is really tough because, um, it's not something a lot of people talk about, even, you know, not even thinking about Catholic, Mm -hmm. um, Catholics or even people who use NFP just in general infertility, I think affects a lot more people, um, than most of you know, than most people realize. And it's really tough to talk about because it's very personal. It's very personal. And if, especially if you, um, I don't know, with your first child, you want to kind of like surprise everyone right. be like, oh, we're having a baby. So you don't want to ruin the surprise. Yeah, you don't want your first conversation with your parents to be like, oh, we're, we're struggling to get pregnant. And it's really tough. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to, because a lot of times you just don't know that. Like someone may get pregnant and you're like, oh, that's so exciting. You don't realize they've been trying for several years. Right. Um, so it's not something that gets brought up um, with casual acquaintances. Like you may know that your close friends are struggling with it, um, mm-hmm. but not necessarily or coworkers or acquaintances. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think it's important to talk about and to um, – we just wanted to discuss our experience with not infertility but definitely low fertility. Mm-hmm. Um and hopefully this, you know, just helps someone who's hearing it. Right. Um, and more people are starting to talk about it because the uh, cover of the Franciscan University magazine has a, uh, or like the whole cover is for an article called, I think it's uh, The Silent Battle. Mm. Um, because it is, like, it's a very, very personal battle that you have to um, deal with, but it's something that you need a lot of help with. Yeah. So, and you know what's interesting is sort of um, one of the first problems for Israel in the Old Testament is infertility. You know, Sarai and Abram Mm. are infertile, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to have descendants. And that's sort of like the first covenant God makes with man is saying, well, not the first, the Abrahamic covenant, um, is that you will bear, you will, you know, father a nation. So it's interesting that that's kind of. Right at the beginning of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, God that, knows that this is... Right, that idea of infertility and just of um, not bearing fruit when you want to. I think that's kind of a um, primordial struggle in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, but definitely with children, that's sort of like the most base in the sense of not like that's low, but mm-hmm. uh, primary. And it's also, a, it's a very, very frustrating topic because... Um, it's something that you have absolutely no control over. Right. Which is where we've gotten to this, like, crazy world with infertility treatments. Mm -hmm. But um, our experience kind of led us closer to Christ. And um, I think that the Lord really wants to work through infertility the way that he did, like, with Sarai. We could just say Sarah and Abraham. We know who they are. I know, I'm confused. But, um... He wants to work with it and through it, mm-hmm. whether it be to, to make you wait for a child for longer than you expected or for it to make you uh, never have a child. Mm-hmm. He is working through that and he is revealing himself through uh, the journey that you're in. Right. And to keep that in mind was something that uh, we always kept in. Yeah. And I think it it goes without saying that you can you could be a faithful married couple and live out your marriage fully and not have children if you're... Um, if you're not able to, like you're not, it's, you're, it's like you're not really married or you're not doing it. You're, you know, if you're not impeding your fertility on your own, then it's, it's out of no, your hands. Yeah, it's what out of you your hands. Do, yeah. that. And you can, you know, live out your marriage fully. It's not like you have like a, 
a halfway marriage because you can't have children. Definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so our experience with, uh, we, so, sorry. (laughs) Choose one and then start. Yeah. (laughs) You don't get three intros. But with the um, fruit of marriage, you kind of heard, sorry, a window just popped up on the computer. I didn't know what it was. Oh, I think it's like, um, it's like okay. backup, Dell backup. Or something. Oh, jeez, Dell backup. But um, we kind of said how whenever we got married, we knew that we were going to eventually get to natural family planning. But we always knew that we wanted a family. Like we always knew that we wanted to start having kids soon. And I remember going to mass with you before we were even married. We were like ooing and eyeing at all of the babies, and like we've always been very much like ch- children oriented even though our first six months we were contracepting. Um, but we always knew that was our hope. And mm-hmm. um, once we did start natural family planning, we, uh, you know, it took a little while to figure all of the things out. But after we got the go-ahead to, um, like, after we, like, figured out my cycle health and if everything was okay, we got, like, the go-ahead to start trying. Uh, it still took us nine months mm-hmm. to conceive. And with uh, the Creighton model, which is what we use, they usually say, like, after six months, then something really needs to be addressed because you understand your ovulation the way that you do through the Creighton model. You should be able to con- conceive conceive if everything is uh, going right if um, within the first six months. Right. And with the uh, Creighton model and other methods of natural family planning, you are through just the normal observations. You're able to, your doctor is able to, it helps your doctor figure out what exactly is going on. Yes. Because through keeping track of that, they can say like, oh, well, because of this, you're probably suffering from this. Mm-hmm. So, And they see it, if you see a lot of this one thing in a cycle, or if you have uh, long periods before or after ovulation, like that means certain things. Right. And so we were able, that took about a year for us to get all of that information so we can look at mm-hmm. us and see like what's going on. Right. But so yeah, it took nine months, which was much longer than I expected, especially since a lot of other friends of mine, really just one, they were like, Oh, we want to start having a family. Oh, this cycle we got pregnant. And right. I was like, Oh, that's how it goes. Yeah. Can't wait for us to start. And then we started and I was like, Nope, 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 mm-hmm. Nope, Nope. Just was not happening as soon as we expected. So, um, it was really hard. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about that. No. What? About it being hard. Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> it was very difficult because we were... Um, we were very eager to, to start having children, mm-hmm. and it was, it was very frustrating to, to kind of feel like, okay, now we're on the right track, now we're doing this right, and there's still something in the way, something wrong. Right. Um, so that's, I think that's very, in, a, in like a unique way, that's very difficult because it's, again, it's out of your hands. You don't know what you're doing and for, like, you have to wait a cycle to try again. Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah. It's very frustrating how long it takes. Mm-hmm. You get absolutely no instant gratification. Right. And it's just, it's very, like you, yeah. Waiting for that one day to be like, yeah. maybe, but no. But what that did, um. For us, and a very was something we kept having to tell ourselves and kept and keep praying about is that we needed to um, 
we need to discern what God wanted us to do right now and not worry about the future. So at that moment, no, we were not getting pregnant. We we're not having children. Um, so we had to kind of, and we like we learned it several times that we need not focus solely on the future. Like it wasn't like, oh, we're just waiting to get pregnant. We still, you know, had an obligation and duty to serve God in that moment while we were struggling to conceive. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, you know, and there are different, your, your life is different before and after having a child. So we, we just have to keep reminding ourselves that this is where we are in this moment. We don't need to get too in our heads about where we want to be or where we think we're going to be, but just ask God what he wants of us right now and how we can love and serve him right now. Mm-hmm. Because he was work like he gave us, well, why is it he gave us this cross so he could work through it? I mean, he definitely allowed us to bear this cross. Yes. Better language. Um, mm. So that he could work through it and to reveal things to us. And we got to understand each other a lot better. We got to um, understand our dreams and our hopes for the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to enjoy some time by ourselves before. Right. When we still had free time. <laughs> <laughs> to go to Target and <laughs> pretty much do nothing all the time. But um, he was definitely working through that and through, like, requiring patience. Mm -hmm. um, He was speaking a lot to me needing patience now. Mm -hmm. Um, I need patience in very small increments now. But in showing me that I need patience in long increments back then, he was speaking to me a lot and And, teaching me. And just there's an element of, like, giving yourself up to God's will. Yes. Because I think there's just a point where we have to say like, I cannot do anything about it. And you can either like stew about it and get super upset and frustrated and, uh, you know, try to take it into your own hands and end up, um, you know, being led into sin or harm, you know, harming yourself, whether or not you think you are, um, you can, it can lead to that kind of thing. It's an extremely difficult, uh, situation to be in because the desire for children is so healthy and so good and it is ordained by God. But, the desire to create, like, to take it into your own hands and to create it without him Mm -hmm. or in unnatural senses is, it's a very strong temptation. Right. Because you just are like, this is a good thing. Children are good. Right. Why isn't this happening? Why is this not happening to me right now? And going back to um, Abraham, like, what he had a child with his servant, like, it's kind. Of, it's we kind of tend to think that like, oh, we have such new modern issues. Yeah. No one has ever dealt with this before. But like, you know, the father of Israel, they dealt with infertility. They struggled with trying to take it into their own hands and made mistakes. And mm-hmm. you know, God is able to work through that and bring good out of it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just kind of funny how. Yeah, nothing's new. Yeah, we're, we're we have different gonna, ways of doing it. But you're not going to go to God and be like, you just don't understand. This is so <laughs> different because just. You know, even throughout humanity, it's just the same basic issues. They just look different because of different context. Right. And different, you know, technology. Technology. I don't know we had to whisper it. <laughs> so the computer wouldn't hear us. Oh, yeah. But um, that temptation is great. But fortunately, Daniel, Daniel was really good at keeping me on track during that time and saying, what is God doing in our life right now? Because it's it's very very easy to look toward, toward the future and forget the present. Mm-hmm. And I think this applies not not just for trying to conceive a child. Like if you're waiting on the dream job, if you're waiting on 
your, you know, to find your future spouse, if you're waiting on, I don't know, some family conflict to get resolved, like, you, you waste, not that you shouldn't have prudence and wisdom and think ahead, Mm -hmm. but if you only focus on the future and what you hope to happen, you kind of waste the present. You know, if you're always worrying about, like, oh, is this person ever gonna change, or, you know, am I ever gonna resolve this with my family member, like, you're not loving them in the present, you're Mm -hmm. not taking this moment for what it is. And doesn't Saint Paul, Saint Paul have a verse about that where he says like nothing comes from worrying about today? Right, like worrying doesn't add a day to your life or yeah. something. I don't, I'm not sure where it is in scripture. I don't know. It might I don't be know the if it's Paul. Yeah, just don't worry. Just don't worry about it. It's in the Bible there somewhere. <laughs> but no, I think we're being silly and saying don't worry about it. But there's a sense of um, giving that up to God and saying, I this is this sucks. This is difficult. I'm willing to bear it. Please get me through this. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing that I, I guess it was through our infertility that I learned it about the church versus my time before my conversion that like, that suffering is not something for you to get out of. Like there was so much before I converted, it was so much of like, oh, this is a hard thing, but God will bring you through it. God will get you out of this. God will, uh, there's like light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. but coming through the church, I've learned so much. Like, what can you do in this? How can you offer this up for someone else? How can you take this and glorify God in this moment, mm-hmm. and not just get rid of it? Right. Like suffering sometimes is good. Right, and I, um, sometimes I think Christians can have um, a concept in their mind, like um, with things like mental illness or something like. Oh, like, as a Christian, how can I be dealing with this? As a Christian who loves God, how is my life not perfect? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what faith in God does is it doesn't protect you from struggle and suffering, but it gives you the grace to bear that struggle and suffering. Mm-hmm. Like, Christ says several times, he's very insistent, he's like, this isn't going to be easy. Like, right. this isn't, the world will hate you. He's, like, very blunt about that. Um, and so... Yeah, like you were saying, the church is very good about showing that, like, we're going to face challenges. You're going to have crosses to bear. Christ told us this. And the biggest thing is that you're united in Christ in his suffering. Mm -hmm. So you can participate in Christ's suffering whenever you are suffering through whatever ordeal you're going through. Right, and St. Paul says, um, I forget what, what book it's in, but he says, whoever he's writing to, he implores them to, um, add what is lacking in Christ's suffering or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Just um, like a little scandalous. Well, but I've heard what is lacking in Christ's suffering is our own suffering. Like we lift that up and we conform ourselves to Christ. Like we, you hear like, oh, we need to be like Jesus. And people think like, oh, so I need to like feed the poor, feed the hungry. And that's true. But it's all, Jesus also died on a cross. He also allowed himself to suffer and surrendered his will to the father. He also was betrayed by one he of his best friends. He was betrayed by his friends. He suffered, you know, humiliation. So when we think about being like Christ, we have to think about all that, like faithfully, obediently accepting um, suffering that we're giving, that we are given to bear. Mm-hmm. And seeking uh, God's grace through it um, is the way, like, to console yourself, is to say, mm-hmm. like, God is here, and God's using this for something. Right. If you think about all the great saints, they're like, that was make me feel bad. Oh, my like, gosh. Saint Rita is like, oh, let me feel 
your pain, Christ. Like, even if it's just one thorn, she gets the thorn in the head. <laughs> she should have asked for something easier. But no, these, like, great saints are, like, help me to feel your pain, Christ. And it's, like, oh, man. I know. Thanks, Saint Rita. And I hate it, like, if it's just a little bit too cold in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's true. She, like, piles on winter clothes and blankets and <laughs> turns three heaters on. But seriously, like, I think there's there's a lot of good to be um, had by suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think that the cross of infertility is a particular suffering mm-hmm. that um, God has a lot of grace for those couples who are dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and spe- I think because it is such a personal uh, cross that it, it unites a married couple in a really unique way. Yeah. Because they can't really talk or they, I mean... I guess they could. You can talk you, about it, but you don't. Like, you don't I know really. I wasn't like going to my friends and being like, oh, we're trying to conceive. It's so right. difficult. Right. Um, yeah, you just don't really. And um, I think because of that, you kind of unite yourself to your spouse mm-hmm. in a really beautiful way. Because I mean, the, they're the only ones going in, through in the same with thing. You. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but one of the worst things about starting with low fertility for Holly was we had to... Um, give her shots yeah. throughout most, most of, like, a, I forget how many months before we conceived, and then throughout most like of the pregnancy. I think it was, like, three months before. Yeah, and Holly... No, had, I had a huge fear, like, okay, phobia right, of like, needles. Like, yeah. think of someone who's, like, oh, kind of, like, scared of needles. It's, it's not. It was, like, Holly would be, like, distraught the day before she'd have to go get a shot yeah like i can't even i couldn't even say the word syringe oh and she I couldn't she it. couldn't even yeah we'd have to say band-aids <laughs> we had to say, oh, yeah we did have to call them say, oh this person had to go get a band-aid <laughs> i forgot about that and we couldn't if there were needles on we couldn't watch we couldn't watch tv shows that might have needles in them no because holly couldn't um stand to even see them she's still a little squeamish about needles on tv if they I just don't her. understand why they have to be on the show. Because <laughs> it's such a compelling shot. <sighs> no pun intended. Oh, good one. Um, but yeah, it was bad. Like, I couldn't grab her elbow. Because it, t- it was like the... It would touch where people give her shots. Yeah. Anyway, so as part of um, the treatment her doctor prescribed um, was injections of a um, like naturally occurring hormone that she was lacking. Right. And so, like, my worst... My worst fear growing up was that I was going to be diabetic and that I would have to give myself insulin shots every day. And I also loved sugar a lot, so I always... <laughs> I said there was a high risk of diabetes. <laughs> but, um... So, like, this was literally my worst fear, that <laughs> Daniel at home was going to have to start giving me shots. And I think, like, before, like, leading up to it, you are like, I just hope I don't have to get shots every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and with this pregnancy and, like, everything, it was, like... Every worst case scenario, like, ended up coming up. Totally, but happened. then it it wasn't. It always it fine. wasn't that bad. Yeah. Oh, God has His way of <laughs> <He> <laughs> speaking to me. But yeah, it was like a serious phobia. I had nightmares and things, and so Daniel had to go get trained by a nurse. We, yeah, we a friend of ours who was a nurse recommended another friend who was a nurse in town, and we had to um, go over there and she had to show me how to mm-hmm. give the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, it was like an. There are, I guess there are different kinds of injections. Just subcutaneous. It was sub subcutaneous. <laughs> Which is only like it's only like it's before muscle tissue. So right. Just, so it's it really a smaller shot. Hurt. It's pretty easy to do. Yeah, it really doesn't hurt that bad. Um, and after like maybe the first ten times, no, we're going too far ahead. Why? Before we were, I was prescribed that. 
um, to figure out what was going on in my body. Mm. Every other day for two weeks, I had to get my blood drawn. Oh. Which, <laughs> that's my worst fear. Yeah. I had never gotten my blood drawn before that because it was my worst fear. Um, and every other day for two weeks was really yeah. hard. You had a pretty good routine down. Holly would ask um, either to hold a baseball or empty vials. Oh, empty vials, yeah. And I would hold be afraid you would break them. them. Yeah. I never was afraid of that. <laughs> and I would say a Hail Mary during it. Um, yeah, I had, I had to have a routine or else I could not get through it. But um, once we got through all of those, then I was prescribed the shots every day. And I was like, are you serious? It wasn't every day. It was like... It was, it was like a seven-day stretch right, in the middle of your cycle. Right, 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 right. Um, and so we would do those. And after Daniel was trained, it took till like maybe like the eighth time that I was like, okay, I got this. Like, it's mm-hmm. not a huge deal. Um, but thanks be to God that I got over my phobia the, through the worst way possible. Oh, I'm going to have to share an embarrassing story about Holly. She had to go out of town for work oh, and no. she was, and it was during the time when she needed to give herself shots. So she, um, called me, she FaceTimed me from the bathroom. Of Wait, me. so I, before I did that, I asked every team member of the group that I was with if they would mind giving me a shot. And they were like, like a couple of them were like, no, I don't feel comfortable with that. And then one was like, yeah, I definitely, definitely can't. Like, no problem. And then it came to the time and was like, okay, let's go do it. And she's like, I don't think that I can't. And then fortunately my one friend uh, said that she could do it. And then she, we uh, took it into the Nordstrom bathroom. Because they have uh, like depositories for mm-hmm. used shots for some reason. Who knows? They have a privacy. It's, yeah. Nordstrom is so fancy. <laughs> it is. Uh, but they had like a little privacy room in there. I think it's for like mothers. But um, so we went in there and she tried it and she couldn't do it. Yeah. She like she physically tried it, but right. physically could not do it. And Daniel was FaceTiming with her the whole time to tell her how to do it. And she was freaking out and I was freaking out. And she tried like multiple times. Yeah, because it is like you have to you have to push it oh my pretty gosh. hard it's, it's if not... anybody out there was like me who is squeamish about needles i am really sorry we're talking about this <laughs> i know what you feel like mm-hmm. but here's the triumphant part of this story oh. is that i tried to do it myself which i never ever would have done mm-hmm. ever because that was always an option i could do it myself and i was right. like no no way and i was trying to do it and that in itself is a triumph that i was trying it on myself <laughs> turns out i can't do it either because <laughs> it's too hard and so i'm just like well what do we do i we can't do it i'm i don't know what to do and i was just like completely at a loss and then uh like people were coming in and out and staring at us like we were complete like we probably were doing drugs probably i mean kind of we are doing drugs well legal yeah, ones I mean. but um then like in walks this like these two ladies with a baby and um one woman looks at me and says, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's okay. You wouldn't happen to be a nurse, would you? And she's like, oh, I'm not certified yet. I'm inter- I'm an international nurse. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> You're going to give me this shot right now. And she did. Sh- yeah. I don't even know her name. Oh, well, if you're listening, lady oh who gosh. gave Holly a shot in Nordstrom, thank you. I guess huge 
huge thank you for the stranger <laughs> to give me a shot. And I'm like crying and petrified. Oh. And um, she doesn't know what kind of medicine she's giving me. <laughs> and that's why like a lot of like CVS won't do it. Or yeah, Walgreens I was calling won't. all of these different doctors to see mm-hmm. if they could do it. Uh, and they were like, well, we insurance like you can't yeah they didn't prescribe it so they can't give it to her because yeah. there's a risk like if it's if something goes wrong right they don't want to be if i didn't carry it right like yeah, i had yeah. to carry this little refrigerated bag oh, yeah, to be <laughs> <laughs> you're a mess such a mess but um yeah so i got my shot and i was all good to go after that which um was probably the craziest thing that's ever happened to me yeah yeah but we but, got through it so that yeah so that's a little, thing, a little grace that came out of it is Holly's better about needles. Yeah, I told, and now I can get my blood drawn, no problem. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Yeah. I still don't want my two vials and say a Hail Mary, but that's... Like, whatever works. Whatever works, it's fine. I could talk about him. I could say syringe. Yeah. That's, you guys don't realize how far we've it come in bad. four yeah. years. Um, but yeah, so all of that, um, we can laugh about it now, but it, it was pretty terrible what it was, was going on. absolutely terrible. Um... But all of that really, um, when we did finally conceive, we could really, really celebrate that. Um, and looking back on it, first, before we get to that, one one part of this that um, I always remember, um, I think it's just like a really big grace in all of this, was, um, um, first of all, Holly's, the doctor Holly went to was a Catholic um, ups, or gynecologist. Gynecologist. Um, and that's really great to just have a faithful person helping you out. And, um, I mean, it's insane. just like when you get prescribed prayer and yeah. you know, she like sent us home with like, um, St. Gianna, St. Gianna cards and St. Rita cards and just saying like, pray about it. Like that's, it's kind of funny that your doctor says, Oh, pray about it. <laughs> but it is really wonderful to have that kind of support and, um, with, you know, your doctor is someone who you should trust really closely. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that you share faith with them and they're, um, on the same page about those kind of things is really great. It's funny that you're talking about how great it is to have a Catholic gynecologist, and I, I just want to interject, since I'm the one who saw it. No, you're... I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> but that, um, just as a woman, mm-hmm. like, the gynecological, gynecological world, is that a word? <laughs> I hope it sounds like a horrible amusement park. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that area of medicine is, in, is terribly difficult to be a Catholic woman. Mm-hmm. And especially, you have to go, like, you have to get, you know, medically, you have, yeah. it's just smart to go. Right. But they always want to prescribe you uh, birth control. They don't understand why you aren't sec- sexually active if you're not married. Um, and they, like, I had a terrible experience before going to doc- my doctor um, with a woman who, like, completely patronized me about doing natural family planning. Mm-hmm. And it was, at, like, absolutely terrible to me and so if it is possible for you to find a catholic lady doctor is the way i like to say um is so i go to a gentleman doctor (laughs) holly goes to a lady doctor (laughs) it has like it is amazing it is such a big Um, difference i just wanted to introduce no it's fine um but going off of that what i was um going to say is that they i forget i think it was dr chiang dr whatever her name is (laughs) Um, Just to keep her privacy, <laughs> yeah. we don't want to say her name. Um, recommended or told you about um, like the Seminarians for Life, yeah, who are a, bunch, a group of seminarians at um, the seminary here who just pray for couples and pray for those trying to conceive. Um, and it was just really beautiful because Holly, like, 
she's like, oh yeah, I'll have them send you a card. And they sent us a card. It was like your name and what you want us to pray for. And Holly sent it in. And then after that, she was just like, we're good. <laughs> she's like, seminaries are praying for us. We're fine. And it was just such a beautiful image of hope. And like, that's what hope is, is that confidence, that sort of like life changing, life altering confidence that faith in God gives you. And so I, when I always, whenever I think about hope, I think about that moment and Holly just being like, we're good. It's done. Like they're praying for us. So. And that was one of the first times that I had, like had the experience of other, like other people who didn't know me praying for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a real, like a big heart for seminarians. So I was like, this is great. Yeah. We ha- are set. I don't know if you mentioned this before. Holly has a really big thing about like men and we young, young men being vulnerable and like, discerning the priesthood and like opening yourself up to that you're like very vulnerable so like seminarians it's they're the best the getter <laughs> yeah. not really because of that i mean like it is kind of well, informed by that right but i also just love seminarians because mm-hmm. they're just awesome they are they know they're so smart <laughs> <laughs> they are. Uh, yeah so really um so there were a lot of graces that came from that and mm-hmm. then when we were what? No, you keep getting too far. Sorry. What? Um, before we got pregnant, um, I also was, I just wanted, part of my story with getting pregnant but also came from uh, my job atmosphere. Yes. And you know, I could have been leading to that. Were you? I was going to say that we were, se- we were really able to celebrate conceiving and look back on our experience. You were. Go good. on. You you know, there's no way you could know. <laughs> but, um, the job that I had, like, right out of college up um, until whatever, um, I, it was, like, not really the best fit for me. And so the whole time, it was, like, kind of a spiritual battle battle and a constant questioning of myself combined with uh, kind of a lot of travel and late nights and um, a pretty stressful atmosphere, um, which equaled my body saying no to everything. Mm-hmm. And I... I found it, like, incredible to be able to see on my chart through National Family Planning uh, to see my body react to the stress that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, I had, like, a big meeting coming up, and I could see it on my chart, mm-hmm. which is just crazy that your body reacts. Because right. you, when you are stressed out, your body produces certain chemicals and hormones, and those affect, you know, other Everything. systems in your body. Mm-hmm. And so um, once I saw that, I was like, okay, this is not good. How can I how can I fix this? And so I tried for months and months to like make myself happier at work and to, you know, like just try to be a lot less stressed and I just couldn't really do it. And so I quit. I said no more. I mean, it was, it was more than that. You, you had, what? you, you I had a plan. Think, you oh, had, I had a plan, plan. and you've been thinking for a while that you didn't want to be in this job. And this Definitely. was kind of, that was like my last resort though. Yeah. I didn't want to quit my job. You right. know, I wanted to make it work. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to start my own company and kind mm. of do, I wanted to make things all the time. And um, because that's, how can that be stressful? You know, it's just crocheting all yeah. the time. Um, it would at least be a lot less stressful than where I was. And so um, I decided and discerned that um, I was going to start my own company. And so I quit. My job, and then literally like six weeks later, we or like not even that long, Mm -hmm. we found out that we were pregnant. Yeah, and it was just 
well, okay, thanks, God. That's exactly what you wanted me to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that every, every woman who's dealing with infertility should quit their job. Mm-hmm. But um, stress was a very, very, I think it was a very big um, factor in our struggle with infertility because my body just re- rejected the idea, like, you can't bring a child into this like body that is just ravaged by stress right. i mean you know? i think i don't think your body was conscious saying that but it like in a stressful environment your body's like just focus on not dying right much yeah mm-hmm. yeah in our medical expert medical opinion totally. that's what was going on no but i like stress does um inhibit yeah things so i said it's not worth it and mm-hmm. i got out of there yeah and that was really for a, you know a lot of reasons that was there's really because it's tough you know working all day and not having like a good support system and just being stressed out all the time it's not healthy for for anyone not Mm -hmm. you know especially not someone who's trying to get pregnant Mm -hmm. yep so i took the jump and i'm very happy that i did because that helped us get jack Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah and um yeah so it was a long struggle but it does um looking back in it we can see a lot of the grace that came from that and that's what, you know, the sacrament of marriage does. It's it does. the sacrament itself is a means of grace. So that's just kind of constantly outpouring throughout it. You know, in every struggle, every obstacle you come up against that you turn to God with, you grow in holiness and um, grace sort of just abounds all the more, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know this, the verses where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But I think you also say where the opportunity for sin um, abounds, grace abounds all the more. So in these it's stressful true. struggles where you could be tempted to lose faith, to fall into sin, that grace is there mm-hmm. for the taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's a beautiful grace. It is. He does a lot through it. Mm-hmm. He did a lot through me. Right. That's true. And it still continues mm-hmm. each day, like having Jack and, you know, having a child. Mm-hmm. It's, there are struggles throughout. Um, I mean, any life has struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, but unique to a marriage, like children and conceiving children and pregnancy have their unique challenges that bring sort of a unique kind of grace mm-hmm. about it. And God created the sacrament in this way because he, he created it to reveal himself to us. Mm-hmm. And so he's He's saying, like, uh, through this, this is who I am. Right. And if you look at scripture and all of salvation history, there are periods of waiting that mm-hmm. require patience and um, persistence. And that's mm-hmm. just sort of how God helps us grow. Mm-hmm. And since I got to, we, I get to always tell embarrassing stories about Holly. She gets to tell an embarrassing story about me. Okay. So when, uh, so we said earlier, like all the things with the pregnancy, like that, or conceiving and the pregnancy, a lot of like my worst nightmares that I had came true. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, with Jack, like there's something like strep B, is some bacteria that you have, mm. and you have to have an IV. Yeah, like a, a, like 50% of the population carry it, but they don't show symptoms of it. Right, but there's some danger to the baby that they could contract it through labor mm-hmm. and delivery, so you have to have this antibiotic the whole labor. And I was, like, wanting to do a natural birth, and so I was all upset that I had an IV, and I hate needles, and so I had to have IV the whole time, which freaked me out. But also... Um, I was going in for an induction, which was like also like my worst. Mm-hmm. I didn't really didn't want to be induced, and um, <laughs> but after waiting ten days after the due date, she was like, "It's not like it's so bad." Twelve days. Twelve days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A week and five days. 
Um, but so we went out in the night uh, before the induction date, like, or whatever mm-hmm. that you're supposed to do. And he, he was like, oh, you're dilated, whatever. You don't have to be induced. And um, you can either go home or stay here. And so we're like, oh, we're already here. Might as well stay. And so we, like, slept there. Daniel slept in this chair next to me. And uh, at, like, midnight, the nurse came in and was like, oh, it's time to do your IV. And Daniel was like, get up out of his chair and come help me because I'm terrified of needles and not as bad as I used to be, but still needed hand-holding. Uh, and he came by my side to hold my hand, and uh, she put it in, and uh, it bled a little bit more than normal. It, it like, squirted out. Oh, don't tell me that. Well, okay. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Daniel is, like, eyes open, still looking like where he normally is looking, but is, like, convulsing downward um and we're saying like daniel daniel and he's not responding and the nurse starts screaming at the top of her lungs help help (laughs) and he's falling and she's trying to catch him but he's like a much bigger man than she is because she's like just this little nurse so she continually is saying help help and he's falling and i'm like thinking in my head okay he's having a seizure (laughs) and he's dying I'm going to be a single mom. This is how it's going to be. And then on his way down, something happens, but he's faced away from me and he's like dripping blood out of something on his face. And so I'm like, okay, he swallowed his tongue. He's, he's like going down. He's dying. Um, and he like hits the floor and whatever. And then like literally everybody on the whole maternity ward in a whole hospital. Yeah, maybe. it turns out if you yell help in a hospital, everyone comes. Everyone. Like, two security guards, like, two surgeons, all of the nurses are all there. And they have Daniel, like, laying on his back. It turns out uh, Daniel passed out because he had woke. It's okay. It's okay. Well, because he had woken up. And I have low blood pressure. So a lot of yes. times if I'm, like, laying down on the couch and just jump up really quickly, I get woozy. Like, that happens to a lot of people. That happens to me often. So that is a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bled a lot more yeah. than expected, mm-hmm. which is a contributing factor. Um, and so he... The odds were stacked against me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's on the ground and they... So he, what happened is he passed out and hit his head on the way down on... We don't know what part of the hospital bed is that sharp, but like really got his eyebrow cut really mm-hmm. bad. And that's the blood that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know how he hit his head, so they had to brace his neck. <laughs> like with one of those gurneys with the head The thing. board, yeah, the yeah. like board. And they had to like, I was like, one, two, three, and pick him up and get him <laughs> over. Um, and so then they like take him, or they say like, oh, he's going to go to the ER. And I'm like, are you serious? It's midnight. I'm going to go, like, they're going to fully undo, they were going to break my water that mm-hmm. morning. Um if nothing else happens. So like I'm having a bait and he's going to the ER and then, so they take you to the ER and your phone doesn't work very well. Well, no, the nurse, one of the nurses, I'm in the, like a neck brace on the board (laughs) and the nurse like puts my phone in my hand. She's like, Oh, so you can text your wife. I'm like, I can't move my neck. (laughs) I can't look down because you're like strapped in there. Oh, So I don't know how I'm supposed to text you. I don't know. So I'm texting him like, are you okay? Are you okay? What's going on? (laughs) And it's in the, I'm in the ER. I was getting like, they, and they didn't know what, what happened, so right. they gave me a CAT scan and, like, ran all these stuff. An MRI, stuff. too. An right? MRI, yeah. Yeah. Which, you can't have your cell phone there, so I wasn't Right. She was not texting, texting me back, so it's the middle of the night, day before I'm going to go into labor. 
Um, and I can't, I don't sleep for like literally five hours because he can't, it took you guys forever. Yeah. Well, they have to, to monitor you for a while. Yeah. He got 12 stitches. 13 stitches. 13 stitches mm-hmm. over his eyebrow for this gash that happened. <laughs> um, and then he comes back at like 5 a.m. And then at 7 a.m. they break my water yeah. and I'm going to labor for 20 more hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Jack. Yeah. The end. The end. No. But yeah. It was, it was, yeah. I felt foolish because I, I remember like looking at Holly and seeing like the blood and starting to get dizzy and thinking like, oh, I should tell the nurse or I should sit down. And the next thing I remember, I'm like on the other side of the room with all these people around me. And the first thing I heard when I woke up was someone like go, oh, it's just the dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's just the father. Yeah. But I, but I knew because that's happened to me before. Like if anything happens where I'm like, su- like surprised i can get woozy so i knew what happened i was like oh i feel so I know. so stupid i remember hearing them saying like how do you feel do you feel okay and you're just like i'm just embarrassed because <laughs> <laughs> i knew what happened i was like oh yeah i passed down and hit my head but, what then else? They, but then they had to do all that stuff <laughs> yeah so and so then uh a couple of days later after we were like still in the hospital with jack and they had this like new mom class whatever um <laughs> All the other uh, couples with their new babies were like, oh, you're the guy. Yeah, apparently I'd become talk of the uh, maternity ward. And probably the story they'll tell all the husbands, like, oh, don't worry, you're not as bad as this other guy who passed out and cut his head open at the other hospital. Danielle was a coworker who uh, gave birth like three months later. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, yeah, we heard about you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm famous, but I'm glad I'm able to share my story with others to make them See, feel better. See, what you were doing is that you were uniting your suffering I with was, mine. I was. I felt bad for Holly, so I was like, I'm going to whack my head on this thing here. <laughs> I'm going to do her a favor and be gone. Yeah. So it was <laughs> but really... he, was, he actually was there for the whole labor. I was. Delivery. I didn't miss it. And they've said they've had husbands miss the surgery or miss mm. the birth because they've passed out mm. and had to go. And they didn't let him. You had to stay seated the I, whole time. I had time. a chair during the delivery. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't. Even though I was expecting it, so it would have been that. It would have been fine. It would have been fine. Anyway, yes. so there's embarrassing things happen to me, too. It's not that's just true. Holly. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's um, that's our experience with low fertility and trying to conceive. And mm-hmm. like we said at the beginning, um, this is something I think if, that affects more people than you realize. Um, and that's really difficult. Um so just um, always pray for couples who are trying to conceive and couples who are pregnant or new parents because there's so many worry you know you just worry nonstop um, from the beginning to the even now when you have the child you worry nonstop oh it's like even worse so definitely um, offer prayers for for those experiencing infertility and those who are pregnant and mm-hmm. new parents because because we need those prayers. Mm-hmm. And infertility is a very heavy cross to bear. We mm-hmm. don't mean to ever make light of that. Right. It is a very difficult mm-hmm. and thing. And we are we are fortunate in that we were eventually able to conceive. And there's a lot of couples mm-hmm. who um, go much, much longer, longer or they're not ever able to mm-hmm. have children. And it's really tough. Um, so just be considerate when, you know, don't ask people why they don't have kids yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's hard. That's hard. And that's uh, kind of a jerky thing to do. Unless you it know can, them uh, well. You yeah. could also mean it well. You could mean you don't it well, realize. of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. But, um, yes, and we are always praying for couples trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. And don't, yeah, don't discount prayer. I think that's mm-hmm. something we learned, too. It gave me so much hope, Yeah. as Daniel said earlier. Mm-hmm. And especially for 
uh, parents that or couples that you may know who are trying to mm-hmm. for them to know that you're praying for them that is a huge consolation it is it really is yeah. so uh, we hope that our story helped you guys um and we would love to hear from you mm-hmm. about it if you have any questions if we weren't clear about anything because we're tired from <laughs> what our are you long- talking about <laughs> we're super clear about everything we're tired from our long trip um please email us our email is halfway saints podcast at gmail.com like us on facebook and follow us on Twitter at Halfway Saints. Halfway, halfway underscore. Underscore Saints. Halfway yeah. underscore Saints. Yeah. But we love to hear from you about anything, not just about this. If you have any other questions. Yes, anything. Or topic suggestions. Mm-hmm. We're very open to that. Yes. Um, and yeah, I hope everybody has a great week. Happy June. Happy June. Happy June. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.